want to learn how to become a millionaire? Are you committed to having financial freedom? To learn the secrets to building and managing a million dollar business, whatever it takes? Because today the opportunities are greater than ever to achieve your goals. Welcome to How to Be a Millionaire. In this show, we are on a mission to educate and empower a thousand new millionaires over the next 10 years through our nonprofit foundation at millionairestraining.org and through our fast track implementation programs at millionairesacademy.com. I'm your host, Sydney O'Sullivan. Some call me the Millionaire's Mentor because I've been building million dollar businesses for over 20 years. And in this show, I interview other millionaires in my network and get them sharing their best advice to create your big vision, discover your life purpose and legacy, build your dream team, develop a millionaire mindset, scale your business, invest for success, and manage and share your wealth and prosperity over the long term. I hope you enjoy the show. Roberto and I have been friends for years, decades, and he is awesome. You're going to really love him. He's the CEO and co-founder of Ready to Propel, a purpose-driven marketing and talent agency and host of the Connected Community Leader podcast. As a business profit architect, his strategies have changed the way profitable community leaders build their platforms, connect with partners and sponsors, and generate even more profits for and with their communities. An in-demand mentor, strategist, and consultant, Roberto has worked with companies such as American Airlines, BMW, Dell, his favorite, Disney, Enterprise Car Rentals, Hilton Hotels, Southwest Airlines, State Farm Insurance, Wells Fargo, and Zappos, to name a few. His clients and students have been collaborating been collaborated with brands such as Accelerant, Adobe, Bell, Helicopter, Black Enterprise, so many, Disney Parks, Disney Animation. And if you're ready to position and partner for even more profits, let's go. And one of the reasons I really wanted to have Roberto be a part of this interview series is that he's built a very, very successful business and he helps companies and nonprofits partner with, with huge companies who are willing to sponsor. That's kind of an area of expertise of yours, right, Roberta? Oh, absolutely. You know, one of the things that, that we learned a long time ago and uh, very much the reason you and I are here, so thank you for having me here, is that you and I realize as a community leader, as a business owner, as a new entrepreneur, you do not have to do business alone. And people are just like stuck in this trap that if, if I don't do it myself, if I don't get dirty myself, if I don't get like, if I'm not the copywriter and the website designer and the graphic designer, that, that it's not going to be good because I have to do it by myself. And you and I truly believe that we can do things as partners. We can do things as collaborators and that everything you do in business does not have to be tied to your own personal labor. So how did you get into this? Like, um, what were you doing before you became the sponsorship guru, the partnership guru? <laughs> so, you know, funny enough, um, like most people, uh, I don't know anybody that's ever grown up and said, I want to do fundraising for a living. Uh, I can tell you that was definitely not my thing. Uh, I wanted to be on Broadway. I wanted to be the voice of a Disney animated character. So um, if any of y'all know somebody like I'm just saying, hook a brother up. Like I'd still love to sing in a Disney, uh, Disney animated film. Uh, but after 
after high school, um, I had the opportunity to be able to begin working with nonprofits. And one of the things that I noticed is there was always, it just always felt like they were calling for money. They just like, there was not sustainable funding. It was call, hi, we need $25. And then it was like next month, hi, we need $25. And the next month, hi, we need $25. I was like, y'all, like, why do we keep calling people for $25? There's all these other organizations that have all these big brands that like, they've got their logos everywhere. Like, why aren't we doing that? I didn't know what's called sponsorship. I didn't like, I didn't know anything about it. I just knew that I was tired of calling people asking for $25. And I was like, for calling for $25, could we not call for 25,000? And, you know, it just, it, it took off the organizations I was working with. It ended up working great. And then in 2010, 2011, uh, somebody you and I both know, a gentleman by the name of Rick Frischman said, hey, will you write a book on sponsorship? And I was just like, Rick, nobody wants to hear about sponsorship. He's like, no, 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 I, I, think, I think you're wrong. He's like, you should write a book on that. And I'm just like, so what? So me and my mom and my dog can read it? Like, nobody yeah, wants to I, buy a book on this. We need to qualify. I don't think that we realized how connected Rick was when we, we met him. Are you like me? So we met years ago uh, through a gentleman called, and I think initially would have been Mark Victor Hansen, who was um, yes. Jack Canfield's partner in the um, Chicken for Soup for the Soul books. And we were young and we fell into Mark Victor Hansen's inner circle and did not realize the power of the amazing network that we were hanging out with, right? So if only I'd known the power then that all these people had, like Rick Frischman was the guy that could get you on Oprah, right? So he knew if he was telling you to write a book, then you have to listen. And did you? I did. And so this is what's really funny about that story. And I think for, for everybody listening, this would be the first tip that, that I would give you is to take massive action and to look for opportunities to jump at. So look for opportunities to jump at and then take massive action. And so what Rick told me way back when was, if you go write your book, write it in 30 days, then come back to me and I'll tell you what to do next. Now, as somebody just coming into the space, y'all, I'd never written a book. I hated writing. I mean, y'all y'all don't know how many times I failed English class uh, or got the big F with a circle around it in red um, being like, no, you need to fix this, bro. Like it's bad. And so I went and I wrote the book and I wrote my first book, Relationships Raise Money. It was published in 2011. I wrote the book in three days. Now I wrote it in three days because I didn't know that most people don't write a book in three days. I didn't know that people spend six months, eight months, you know, three years writing. I wrote it in three days. And I called Rick, like I said, about 30 days later, because he told me, call me in 30 days. And I was like, well, I did it. I wrote the book. And he's like, oh, well, let me tell you what to do next. Next, you want to, and this is like, y'all, to give y'all, like, this is about a decade ago from the time of the, 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 the we're having this conversation. And he's like, well, you're going to go to create space and you're going to this. And I was just like, no. I'm not. He's like, well, no, that's what you do next. I said, well, I know, but like, I already wrote the book. I got it edited. It's on Amazon and I'm already a best-selling author. And from idea to best-selling author in 30 days, I'm already making money with it. What's next? And it was one of those things. That's why I say jump on opportunities. When you find something that you want to do, when you have an idea, when you have a dream, jump on the opportunity. Do not listen to somebody else's default of, that can't happen because, or you will never succeed because 
choose to live and jump on the story of opportunity that you tell yourself because of that opportunity. When I told Rick I'd done all that, he was just like, you're serious about this. I was like, well, I never wanted to be an author, but now, now that I have a book and now that I'm a best-selling author, now what? He's like, well, now you start speaking. And I was like, what does that look like? And, you know, it's just funny to think, you know, a decade later that because I took massive action, um, you and I had the opportunity to meet. I've had the opportunity now to speak on hundreds of stages around the world, to speak in, I think, 32 or 33 states, to speak in five different countries, and to make an impact on thousands of lives because I decided to bet on myself the way that I'd been betting on everyone else. Okay, that is awesome. And I need to unpack some of that stuff because I have a lot of authors in my community and they're gonna have questions. So let's go back and talk about some of the things that you just threw out there like they were no big deal. I have to admit that I was in the same circle as you. Uh, Rick and David had a publishing company, that Morgan James. Um, and they said to me, yes, we'll publish your book, go write your book. I took a year, I, I found it really, really difficult. I, I agonized over it. I think what I would guess was the difference was that because you didn't know that most people are worried about being judged by what goes into their book or worried about making the book awesome or you know, you didn't bring all of that baggage in with you. You just kind of, I'd like to know, what was it that enabled you to write your book in three days? Because I just wrote my last book in a day. So I'm totally on board with that. Because once you know your topic, I think it's really easy to get the book out. What was it for you? What made it so easy? I, so I think there's several pieces and you just hit on one of them. One is when you know your topic, it's, it, well, one's know your topic. Two is to allow yourself to be in a place of flow and not necessarily competing with everybody else. And so if we go back to, and I don't remember the gentleman's name, but you know, years ago, it was like, everybody heard about like a six minute mile, a six minute mile, a six minute mile, man, this guy thinks he can run a four minute mile. Nobody can run a four minute mile. But then when the first person did it, all of a sudden, everybody else started doing this four minute mile. And so to me, just coming into the space, I didn't know. So I think if I had heard, right, it takes a year, I'd have been like, well, I wrote this in three days. I must have done something wrong. And so I think the first thing is to believe in your gift, believe in your words, work in flow, and trust yourself. I think that as authors, as entrepreneurs, as community leaders, when we can get back to trusting ourselves and trusting our instinct and trusting the good side, right? Because we all got voices in our head. I mean, let's just call it out. You do not grow a million dollar business. You do not become a millionaire without having head trash. And some of that head trash is the trash that we give ourselves. But some of that is, I like to say, a present that somebody gave you when they said, you're not good enough. Nobody will want to buy that. Nobody will want to do that. And you decided to unwrap that gift and to keep it. And that is why I'm also, I think, another huge part of, of building a multi-million dollar brand, becoming a millionaire, a step at a time, right? Because we all start at, here's the thing, y'all, when you're an entrepreneur, we all start at the same place. Zero mailing list, zero dollars in the bank account, zero customers, and then you build from there and realizing along the way, for me, I find that entrepreneurs that build these multi-million dollar brands are the ones that can distinguish, this is what's true, and this is a story I'm telling myself, and sometimes that requires the assistance of a licensed 
mental health professional, and I'm a huge advocate for therapy when it comes to community leaders and business owners, because sometimes we need that objective third party that can be like, okay, who, who told you that? <laughs> Great advice. And I agree with you. I find that um, I get authors coming to me all the time and they're like, uh, you know, is my book any good? You know, they'll send me a sample chapter and they'll say, is it any good? And I'm like, it's awesome. Why are you doubting yourself? And it's because they gave it to someone to read who is not an expert on writing books, just somebody in their family or a friend who said to them, well, I don't know. It's, you know, who doesn't even know their genre, right? You know, maybe somebody who's used to reading no romance novels or whatever and is now reading their nonfiction book and says, uh, I don't know, I think your sentences should be shorter or, you know, it should be more descriptive. And then they get all these doubts, right? So I agree with you that it's very much about, make I always say to people, just don't ask for advice from people who are unqualified and make sure that you aren't bringing all your family's baggage and stuff in with you if you've got a big dream. You know, surround yourself like we do with people that are on a mission, making a difference, have huge visions and, and carry us along and support us, right? Absolutely, and I would even add to that that it's, as an author, you know, when you write your book and you've got those sample chapters, when you're looking for that feedback, you know, like you just said, get the feedback from people that either A, they're in the publishing space, they know the industry, or B, are your ideal reader. If I were to have given a book on sponsorship to, uh, let's say, a brain surgeon, they would have been like, what is this? This makes no sense. Like, well, I'm so confused. But when I hand that book to an author looking to fund a book tour, they're like, this is the best thing ever. When I hand it to an event producer saying, how do I get sponsors for my events? It's the best thing ever. So make sure that you're getting feedback from your perfect person, from your ideal client. And because, you know, everybody's got an opinion. Make sure it's the opinion of the people that you truly want to serve. Great advice. And okay, then you went on and became and made it a bestseller. So how did that happen? <laughs> so, you know, I chuckle because I know that there's people all around the world that um, sell these programs that are like, for $20,000, I'll show you how to become a best-selling author. And I kind of call the BS flag on that stuff sometimes because now the publishing game has changed a lot over the past decade. But a decade ago, I remember being a new author, I got my, my email from Amazon and they're just like, your book is now live. And I was like, oh my God, my book is now live. And I got the link, I put it in an email and I sent it to five friends. And I said, hey guys, my book just came out. Would y'all mind sharing it with a couple people? And I woke up the next morning and I looked and I was like a number one best-selling author in two categories and number two in a third category. And listen, y'all, I was like, oh my God, I made it, I'm rich. Like I called my mom and I was like, I'm a best-selling author, all this stuff is amazing. I log into CreateSpace. And now I, what I did, I published my book probably about the same time as you. And they said to me, uh, now like pitch it to the media. So I went and looked at, I asked some other people who were legitimate bestsellers, how they had gotten their books to bestseller. And I went and looked at some of these media that promote books and found that I could buy ads, that they would actually do a mail out. So that's what I did when I paid and submitted my book. And because it had been published by a publisher, they took it. Um, it's, there's a lot of those opportunities aren't as available as they were then, but that's kind of what I did was I paid like 
I don't know, a couple hundred bucks. And they sent my book out to like a hundred thousand readers and I sold thousands of copies. So I feel okay with that. Yes, they Absolutely. were copies, but I still sold thousands of copies and yeah. Absolutely. And so, you know, what I, what I think that, you know, if you're taking notes, right. Uh, unless you're driving, don't take notes and drive. It's not safe y'all. Uh, but here's one of the things that, that I, I want to invite you to, to hear is that you know, there are many different ways to get to bestseller status. There are the same way, many different ways to, to grow a million dollar brand and to grow a multi-million dollar brand. It's about finding what works for you, what works for your lifestyle, what works for your business. And that's why, you know, whether you like continue to listen to me here on this show or, you know, find us in other places online, one of the things that you'll see is like, hey, here's the way that we did it. Here's the way that my friends do it and find the way that works for you. Because as a business leader, what I know is there is no one way that works for every single person in the world. And it's finding something, you know, if we think back, right, if we think about success in business and, you know, I know you've got some great programs like the Millionaire's Academy and Millionaire Training and How to Be a Millionaire, right? They're all based on the principles of something. And if we look at, you know, Jack Canfield, who's been in the industry forever, if we look like a Zig Ziglar or Brian Tracy, why have they been so successful? They've been successful because the teachings are based on principle, not on a marketing tactic. And so as someone that's listening to this show and to myself and to the other interviews, as you build your brand, as you build your community, it's about stepping back and saying, what are the principles of what I do? so that they work now and they work two, three, four, five decades from now, but the strategies and the tactics are based off the principles that I train and that I teach on. And, and I think that that's another way that you build these legacy brands and you build these multi-million dollar brands that last even after you're gone is because you teach based on principle, not the latest hype. So what's working for you? You, you went on to, um... You went on to speaking and we talked, we talk all the time and I love that. But what you have told me that when you started speaking, you started getting out talking about how to get other people to invest in your business, which is essentially what you do is you bring on partners who are willing to provide funding, right? So, right. and tell me if I'm wrong, but when you, what's, what's, what's really cool about you is that you learned how to ask for large amounts of money early on. So you didn't have that barrier that so many of us have for, of asking for large amounts of money. That's, I think, one of the, the fastest things that people can do to increase their profits is increase their prices to what they're actually worth, increase the value. But you had already been asking for large amounts of money and providing value for that. Correct. And, you know, there's, there's, there's two sides to that. You oh. know, in, in the book that I wrote in 2017, um, Sponsorship for Influencers, one of the things that I share in that book is I remember the first time I was having a six-figure conversation. And I was actually, you know, it's it seems more simple now, but when I started, there was literally like this knot in my stomach because I realized that I was about to walk into a meeting to ask for a dollar amount that my mom and my dad did not make combined in their careers. I was about to ask for, in one meeting, a check there was more than anybody in my family, like one person had ever made in a year. 
And like, there was just knots in my stomach. And I went to the meeting, I did the meeting and we got the yes. And then I remember just going back to the car and sitting there and just literally bawling my eyes out, just bawling my eyes out from a sense of, of gratitude, uh, a sense of thankfulness for, for all the work that everybody in, before me and my family had done. And I also asked myself this one question, and as a business owner, as an author, as a community leader, I want to invite you to ask yourself this question. This is the question. It's, what if? And I said, what if I could do this more frequently? What if I could ask for a quarter million instead of 100,000? What if I could begin to have $500,000 conversations instead of $10,000 conversations? And so what if is this question that, that guides my business, it guides our brand, it guides the things that we do because as we move forward, all I can say is what if? And if we look at the way that the world shifted in 2020 with a global health crisis, I think what happened you know, when we talk about how to be successful is you see the people that were either A, maintained or B, really propelled their profits within what they were doing during the middle of a global health crisis, they're the people that said, what if? All this has changed. I can't do in-person live events anymore. Uh, this no longer works and this no matter works. What if I take the same ingredients that I have and do something different? So very much like if, if any of you have ever baked or watched somebody bake, right? If you know, you've got, if you've got flour, if you have eggs, if you're gluten-free, you have your rice flour, right? But if you've got flour, if you've got eggs, if you've got sugar, if you've got salt, baking powder, baking soda, you can have the base of just about any American dessert. You can make a cake, you can make a cookie, you can make a muffin, you can make, if you had yeast, you can make some bread. And so the people that are really thriving right now are the people that are saying, how do I take all the ingredients that I already have? How do I take my book? How do I take my speaking topics? How do I take my, my skills, my talents that I've been given and readjust my offerings to utilize the same ingredients to make something different? So I can't do a live event anymore. I can do a virtual event. I don't want to do a virtual event by myself. I could do a virtual summit. I've done a virtual summit in the past and now I can't do in person anymore take those virtual summit recordings and make them a podcast. And so when we look as leaders, what are the ingredients that I already have that I can make something else out of? Um, and another way for those of y'all that don't like to bake is how many of you have ever had leftovers <laughs> and you pull it out, you're just like, man, I don't want to eat that again, but let me see like, or like my, my grandma used to make refrigerator surprise. It was like, whatever was in the refrigerator, she was going to make a meal out of those are the people that are succeeding. When we can say, what do we have? And how do we make something new or something different and be creative and utilize the creativity that, that you have as a human being to say, what if? And that's how you thrive in uncertain times. Thank you, awesome advice. Now, I would not be a responsible interviewer if I didn't pick your brains on how you are helping nonprofits and businesses get sponsors for their businesses and what's happening today. Uh, how has it changed? What do you see as the opportunities moving forward? 
You know, so in, in sponsorship, the opportunities are, I like to say we're in the new Wild Wild West because before, you know, it's like everybody's doing an event, everybody's doing this and people knew like for the book tour, it's this. And the reason I say a Wild Wild West is when you've got corporate offices literally shuttering their offices every day. You've got major corporations telling their workforces they're not going to go back to the office until, you know, sometime in 2022. They're moving more and more and more to virtual, which they weren't doing before. And so they don't have the same metrics as they did before with in-person things. And so there's the opportunity for people doing virtual to be able to work with brands they weren't working with before because you're now what they call an emerging market. And an emerging market is simply this. It is when a brand is looking to do, go into a new market space or a new type of market. So like, let's say there's a store, like let's say you're in Las Vegas and there's a store that hasn't been there before, but they've got a lot of that store in Austin, Texas. Las Vegas would become an emerging or test market for them. And so in the same way, our live events, which are now virtual events are becoming emerging markets for these companies. And Another thing that's happening with that too as well is another type of emerging market is that around people that are working with and running extremely diverse communities. You know, in 2020, we, we saw the Black Lives Matter movement. We saw real conversations about equality and equitability and truly being diverse. And here's the thing, there's a lot of brands that like, so Facebook, for example, Facebook started the Facebook Black Creators Fund, putting millions of dollars into this because they said, as a brand, we have been funding things. We have been doing sponsorship. We have been doing grants, but we have not been doing it with diverse communities. And so for a brand like Facebook, the Black community and Black creators are becoming an emerging market for Facebook. And so we want to look for emerging markets. We want to look for things that are virtual. And we want to be looking, uh, last one here is for hybrid sponsorships. And what a hybrid sponsorship is this, is most people are used to say, hi, here's $5,000 or $500,000. And they call it a day. What we're seeing is hybrid sponsorship as brands come into these new markets is they're saying, well, invest a little bit less upfront. We'll give you that cash, but we'll give you a recurring affiliate commission. And this is something that I've been doing in my business since 2011. And nine years later, well, now 10 as of the time of this recording, uh, we actually, I've been getting affiliate commissions from one company for a decade from a one-time sponsorship because we did this hybrid sponsorship. And so a lot of people are now catching on to something we've been talking about for a decade, but they wanted the money upfront. And so now brands are saying, let's give you some money and pay you an affiliate commission recurring, which is how you also, as an entrepreneur, create that passive income that when oh crap happens, you know what you have coming in every single month. Nice. So that's actually a way of adding in some extra income streams is affiliating. And um, anybody who's following my programs would know that I've actually built that in. I've you know, I, I had a chance when COVID hit my live events uh, shut, shut down like a lot of people's. And so I thought, I'm going to take a little break. I haven't had a break in years because I've been running live events, right? I'm going to take a little break and I'm going to connect with people that I buy their stuff. I love their stuff, you know, and see if there's something we can do together and change my focus. So, uh, you know, and like you, I launched a podcast, summits. Um, interestingly, you ran a summit about the same time I was looking at it, which was when a lot of us suddenly couldn't do live events and 
we're talking about say April, I guess, when was your summit? Um, so our summit was end of March, 2020, beginning of April. Um, and and you just pulled a whole bunch of your, your big influencers together that you knew from being out speaking and doing so many uh, cool business deals. What was the gist of what they were all advising at that time? What were they, what were they saying was the opportunity for the future? So the overall theme um, about that summit, so it was called the Platform and Profit Summit. And like you said, we put it together in about 72 hours. Um, for the record, I don't recommend doing that ever again. Uh, it was an amazing experience and a lot of stress, but I'm glad we did it to get people information right as the world was going into lockdown. Three key takeaways from that is number one, spend time with your family and your own personal lifestyle. That was one of the top things we heard from these leaders was know your balance between your company and you and be able to separate the two so that when you are focused in the company, you're focused on the company, but that you can also have the lifestyle because you cannot successfully, like an evergreen, run a multi-million dollar brand if you do not have any time for yourself to heal, to renew for self-care. That was number one that we heard. Number two that we heard consistently was ask your people how they wanna be served. Because some entrepreneurs, some business owners would say, I'm gonna serve people this way. And then like they go sell, they're like, well, nobody bought anything. And so the other thing we heard over and over was talk with your people, talk with your community, find out how they wanna be served. And either A, if you're qualified to do that, serve them that way. And if you're not, B, find an affiliate, find a partner who has a product program or service that can be able to do that. And then make that offer to your community and make an affiliate commission. And number three is, this one's mine, is stop doing business alone. There are people losing sleep over what you can do in your sleep. And so stop doing business alone. Awesome advice. Okay, and I have one last question for you. And that is, if you were starting over knowing what you know now, what would you do to build a million dollar business? Ooh, how much money do I have to start? <laughs> does it make a difference, do you think? It, it does. I, 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 and because if, if I had $500 versus $5,000 versus $10,000, there are different things that I would do. Um, but here, here's the general gist of it. The first thing that I would do is I would get extremely clear on who I serve and who I want to serve. Um, and I would write a story about them. And so I knew them in and out. So I'd get very clear about that. The second thing I would do is I would find those people online or offline and ask them, what is your biggest frustration or struggle around X? And the X being the topic that I can serve them with. So like, what is your biggest struggle or frustration with having enough profit in your business? Or what is the biggest struggle or frustration with being able to get sponsored? And then I would take those answers that they share with me and then say, okay, this is who they are. This is the struggle they have. Then I would say, okay, this is the solution. And then once I know that solution, I would also ask, hey, how do you want to how, how do you want to solve that problem? Like, do you want to listen to recordings? Do you want to get together on Zoom? Like, how do you want to solve that problem? Because that would tell me whether I create an online course, whether I create a group coaching program, or whether I create a mastermind. And then as soon as I have that, and I know what the offer is, I would be calling you. I would be calling my friends being like, hey, 
I've talked to people that are ABC. Their biggest struggle around this topic is this. The solution they wanted is this. Do you know anybody that has that problem? Because I'm going to launch X on this day. Can I pay you X percentage to talk about it to the people that you know? And that's how I actually did my first $100,000 launch years ago is realizing that you don't have to do business alone. Very cool. And I, I actually think that like you, you can do a lot with a very small budget. So obviously if you have a, you have half a million, you want to turn it into a million, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, tweaking, right? Like it's a matter of in improving your numbers, you know, like lowering your costs, increasing your profits and right. raising and your prices. But starting from scratch, but I'm just saying like, if you wanted to build something over the long term and what you've advised is very similar to what a lot of us advise, funnily enough. It's one of those success formulas that we have seen work over and over. Absolutely. And that is get to know your target market, find out what their problems are, and if you can solve them, if you can't solve them, find somebody who can and present and package that solution up to the people that are looking for it, right? Absolutely. Very, very cool. So, Roberta, so great to spend the time with you. Thank you so much. And how can people get access to your programs? Well, y'all can hang out with us online. Um, my website is robertocandelaria.com. Uh, I'm also on Instagram by the same. And then um, come hang out with us online. If you go to robertoteaches.com, that'll redirect you over to our Facebook group where we like to hang out with people and teach community leaders and entrepreneurs how to have community growth and community profits while being integrity with who you are as a human being. Wonderful. And then you have your podcast, which is the Connected Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, so my podcast is the Connected Community Leader, where we have conversations with community leaders, uh, people that are just starting out, people running eight-figure businesses to have the real conversations about life and about winning and the struggles that we went through to say, hey, how do you build a profitable community and hopefully not have to make the same mistakes that we did along the way? Wonderful. Well, we are very aligned in our in our objectives, right? So, Absolutely. And uh, thank you. It's so good to see you. And I will end up the interview. Say goodbye. Bye. <laughs> Hi, this is Sydney. And thanks for listening to the show today. If you like today's episode, please let us know. Hit the subscribe button so you can get updates on our new episodes. Leave us a comment or review. We love all of your feedback. Share the show with your friends and most importantly, come introduce yourself at our free online community at millionairestraining.org.